Right there, some of the finest looking guys in America, don't you think? And uh, well done, well done. Galatians chapter 6 in your Bible tonight. God bless you. It has been a wonderful few days to be with you guys, and I am so thankful for the invitation and uh, for your kindness. You've always been such a blessing to our family and welcoming us and treating us graciously and kindly, and this has been no exception. I got to meet some new folks this week, some new students in the school and make some new friends, and uh, we've just been treated so kindly. Thank you, uh, Pastor and Dr. Jim, for the invitation. Don't take that for granted at all. I'm delighted that it worked out for him to be here with my friend, Brother Harold, and uh, that was a great blessing, just an extra perk in the week. Got to be with a good buddy, and I'm glad uh, Nicholas Anderson could join me. He's our latest evangelism intern, and I'm so thankful he was here. It's his first time to be in Wisconsin, first time to be at Falls Baptist, and uh, you've made him feel right at home. I'm so thankful for that. And uh, we just have been treated so kindly, a nice place to stay. And I wish you could have seen the gift basket that was in my room. It was phenomenal. And uh, just, uh, we're just treated so kindly. God's people are so good to us. And we are delighted that we got to share these few days with you. I'm so sorry my wife's not here. Bethley's my best friend, my favorite person in all the world. And uh, we almost always travel together. And there are days now, we've just several different issues. She's got a physical matter she's dealing with that's keeping her home some more. My son's home for a few days from his Bible college, so she's home with him. My mother-in-law is not doing well physically. She has bone cancer, and so my wife will be spending some time in and out of Ohio with her mom. These are just different days for us, and yet the Lord's so good. I have a good God, don't you? And I'm just so thankful we could be here with you. Pastor told me that I could uh, put some sermon series out uh, on the back table there next to uh, Brother Harold's book on prayer. And by the way, that is an outstanding book. It's not, an e it's not a difficult read. It's not a long, long read. But every page on it is worth reading. I hope you'll take advantage of that. I have sermons on thumb drive. I used to sell these on cassette tapes. How, how many of y'all remember that? Do you remember that? I, in my revivals, I'd sell cassette tapes, two for $5.00 except on Tuesday nights. Tuesday nights, I did a blue light special. Every other night, they were two for five, but Tuesday nights only, they were four for 10. And uh, it was just uh, it was an amazing night. We sold more cassettes on that night than the other night. And then there came a day in my meetings, folks stopped buying cassettes. I had all these cassettes, nobody was buying them. And then I went to CDs, I had all my sermons on CDs, and I've come to the place where nobody's been buying sermons on CDs. They're just, they're not using them anymore. And somebody said to me somewhere along the way, you ought to put them on thumb drive. So I have five different series on thumb drive. Uh, this one here is Family Matters, seven sessions on the family right out of a family camp. These are live right from family camp. I have one here called One Accord, Six Sessions on Marriage. This was from a marriage retreat we did with a, a Brother Wilkerson from First Baptist of Hammond. There's actually two sessions on the table on marriage, and this is one of them. My wife uh, speaks frequently now to ladies and is uh, just a beloved lady speaker. Bethley's just the real deal, and when she speaks, uh, she, she's just real. She's just, just, just real, right down to earth. And this is just for ladies. This is my wife's four-message series uh, for ladies entitled Writing Your Story. And there's just several back there, and uh, they're on the table. And I'll be there after the service if you'd like to take advantage of them. And uh, I can uh, show them to you, explain them to you. We can do a credit card. We can do cash. We can do a check. Uh, we would even take a well-behaved child. 
And uh, so if, uh, if you'd like to see us there afterwards, I even have some prayer cards there, and I hope you'll consider that and uh, get a prayer card. If you take a prayer card, though, there's one thing that's true. You have to pray for us. And uh, so I hope you'll do that. Grab one and pray for our family, and we would be delighted to know that you are. All right, I'm in Galatians chapter 6 tonight. Let's get right to God's Word. I'm in verse 1. The Bible says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fall, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one, in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone, and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden." Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. How many of you know these verses? You recognize them? You've known them some of your whole life, haven't you? It's hard to remember when you didn't know these verses. When did you not know that you reap what you sow? I feel like I've known that my whole life. And this is a very familiar passage. In the first verse, there's a word that has held my meditation for several days. And I want to preach to you a message really based on that word. It's that word in verse 1, the word spiritual. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fall, ye which are spiritual ye which are spiritual say the word ye which are spiritual so I want to preach a message I'm going to title tonight what in the world does a spiritual person look like anyways if I said to you tonight what does a joyful happy person look like you'd probably could answer that couldn't you when I wrote that down in my notes as I was just meditating thinking through this text what does a really happy joyful person look like a face came to my mind. Met her right after I got saved. I was 15 years old. I came to know Jesus, public school kid. Brother Arwood led me to Christ. And Brother Arwood, he said, uh, now, all right, son, if you're going to grow in the Lord, you've got to read your Bible every day. What time do you normally get up? I normally get up at 6 a.m. All right, you've got to get up at 5.55 because you need five minutes, at least five minutes. Read at least a chapter a day. You've got to get in God's Word. So here's what I did. As a sophomore in high school, new Christian, and the man that led me to Christ said, get up five minutes earlier and read the Bible every day. And I said, yes, sir. And I did it. And then a week later, he said, uh, how's that Bible reading going? I've done it every day. Good, he said. She get up at 5.55? Yes, sir. He said, all right, now you got to get up at 5.50 because you got to pray every day too. And he said, you need to learn how to pray every day. So I know you got farm chores before you go to school and you got to get the school bus on time. So get up at 5.50 and read your Bible and then get on your knees, spend a few moments with the Lord. And here I was, sophomore in high school, new Christian. I said, yes, sir. And then he said to me, do you work on Tuesday nights? And I said, well, normally I do. I worked for my Uncle Ricky at his convenience store. And I said, yes, sir, normally I do. He said, all right, you got to take off Tuesday nights. Tell, tell your uncle you can't come in on Tuesday night because that's visitation night and you need to go soul winning. And I said, yes, sir. So I told my Uncle Ricky, it won't be your Tuesday night. I'm going to go visiting. And I remember Brother Arwood taking me out. He's the man that taught me how to go soul winning. He's the man that taught me how to talk to people and greet them at the door. I remember one night we walked up to the door, and it was about, we call it in Tennessee, it was about dusky dark. That's how they say it. It's not really dark, but it's not really daylight either. 
It was our last visit of the night. We walked up on this door and he pounded on the door. And uh, there's a TV glow. Guy had a TV on, it's all you could see. And I saw this person through kind of the, you know, the silhouette there in the door. I saw a guy coming towards the door, shuffling. It was obviously an old man. And I remember he came to the door. I was standing behind Brother Arwood, 15-year-old sophomore. I just got saved. And uh, he's standing there, and Brother Arwood's in front of me, and the guy opens the door, and he had a screen door. So he opens the door inside. He's looking at us. He reaches down with his hand, and he hits the handle of the screen door. And as the screen door swings open our direction, he put a pistol in Brother Arwood's face and said, What do you want? And Brother Arwood couldn't remember. And... <laughs> literally, you know, and, and uh, I hadn't been taught yet that you're supposed to pray, so I was ready to run. And uh, I, I didn't know what was going to happen here, but we was able to witness to the man. Finally, you know, he, he realized while we were there and everything. But one night, Brother Arwood took me soul winning, and he, he said, now, nobody was home tonight. I don't want it to be a wasted night. I want you to meet Sister Sands. So we drove to this home, and somebody came to the door, and he said, Sister Sands, okay for us to see her? Oh, she said she'd love it. Come on in. Come on in. Pastor, obviously been there before, walked in, walked down a hallway, and he stuck his head in a door. He said, Sister Sands, is it all right if I come in? And I heard this feeble voice, yes, yes, come in. And I walked in that room and was somewhat startled. Here's an old lady, older lady. She looked ancient of days to me, feeble. Her hands are drawn up. Her fingers were gnarled. Her legs were twisted in a just kind of a grotesque way and I found it afterwards a, a, a unique kind of arthritis had just riddled her body she couldn't feed herself she couldn't bathe herself she couldn't dress herself she couldn't turn herself over she couldn't take herself to the bathroom I couldn't imagine her life but here's what I remembered when I think of what in the world does a happy joyful person look like that lady comes to my mind I've never met a lady like that uh, Pastor and I stopped by there. He said to encourage her, but I found out uh, he didn't stop by there to encourage her. He stopped by there because she encouraged him. Everywhere she's just like, oh my word, Pastor, and in the Lord good, and hadn't it been a beautiful day, and how was your preaching Sunday? And, and, uh, and I remember he said to her one, and he said, uh, now can we sing for you? We were one of those country churches, and country people have this old hymnal that they like, and, it, and if they're real spiritual, they call it the old redback book. And uh, the old redback book. If you're a really godly person in the South, you had a redback book. And, uh, and so pastor said, uh, you want us to sing for you? Really? Oh, she said, get that red back book and sing 313. 313. Three, every time we went, sing 313. 313. And we would sing to her. I, I, she, she was joyful. When I think, what in the world does a happy, joyful person look like? I got a picture. Sister Sands comes on my mind. What does a contented, thankful person look like? I got a picture. It's my dad. My dad, contented. My dad, this happy, thankful man. I remember when he bought his first pickup truck. I was married, traveling in evangelism. He called me one day, son, guess what I did? What'd you do, dad? I bought a brand new pickup. Son, I've never had a brand new pickup. I bought a brand new pickup. I said, what'd you do with the old one? He said, I kept it. You don't think I'm going to drive that new one, do you? <laughs> Are you serious? And it was my, I'm not driving that new truck. I got an old one. And he still got that new truck. They drive it to church on Sunday night. They drive my mom's car Sunday morning, my dad's truck Sunday night, and I guess they flip floored on Wednesday night. I don't know who drive on Wednesday night. My dad's just so contented, so calm. If I said to you tonight, what does a spiritual person look like? That's a good question, isn't it? Wonder how I wonder how a Pharisee would answer that. 
A Pharisee would say, I thank thee that I am not as other men are. The Bible answers that one for us. What would a Pharisee answer? How would he answer? He, he would answer that. Maybe, maybe we could run to a story in the New Testament and where a group of Pharisees drag this lady and throw her on the ground in front of Jesus. Here she is, taking an adultery, the very act, stone her. What, what, what would you think the answer would be? What in the world does a happy spiritual person look like? I was soul one day, and I was talking to this lady, and she said to me, oh, I don't, I, 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 I'm not interested in that church thing. I don't, I don't believe that saved thing y'all talk about. I, I don't go to church, but I am a very spiritual person. I remember she said that to me. In my heart, I thought, I don't think that word means what you think it means. I am not sure you have the right word there. So how would you define it? Nobody heard us tonight, and I'm going to ask you to think. But I want you to think. How would you know? I've been reading the verse. Ye which are spiritual. So it's possible to be spiritual, but what does it even look like? And here's, uh, here's where we've been going this week. For you that haven't been with us every service, I was able to preach one message on the work of Christ. Enough to save you, set you free, declare you righteous. I preach to you that you cannot rest in the work of Christ if you're depending on your own righteousness, your own system. I preach a message a Christian should never live under the power of the works of the flesh. I, I preach a message, a, a Christian should experience the fruit of the Spirit in his life. I, I preach that a Christian should depend on the Spirit to live his life in him and through him. That was this morning. And tonight I want to just tell you very simply, as the Holy Spirit lives his life in you and through you, he enables you to be a spiritual person. So here's the hell. He's talking about being spirit-filled in chapter 5, living in the spirit, walking in the spirit, being led of the spirit. It's no accident when you get to chapter 6, he says, all right, ye which are spiritual. Now he's going to talk to us about what it looks like. What does this even look like to be a spiritual person? Now the fact is, many answers could probably be given, but there are at least three in the text. Just three I'm going to give you. Many could be given. But they are definitely, I've discovered three answers in the text. And when he tells us what a spiritual person looks like, he tells us by showing us what a spiritual person does. So here's the first answer. All right. Either taking notes. Here you go. Well, what, what in the world does a spiritual person even look like? Number one, a, a spiritual person humbly cares for others. A spiritual person humbly cares for for others. Are you in verse 1? Yes or no? Are you in verse 1? Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. A spiritual person apparently is a person that humbly cares for others. You, you know about all the one another's in the Bible, right? I read that I found over a dozen times where the Bible says we're to love one another. James chapter 5 and verse 16, we're to pray for one another. First Thessalonians 5 and verse 11, we're to edify one another. Romans 12 and verse 10, we're to prefer one another. First Peter 4 and verse 9, we're to use hospitality one to another. In this passage, in this passage, we're to care about each other when the other person is struggling. When the other person, that's a mark of spirituality. I restore such a one. 
Man's overtaken in a fall. Notice, notice the aim. The aim is, a spiritual person's aim is to restore a person who has been caught off guard by a fault. Now, several words here are key. The word fault is, is referring to a person who's, in some sense, he's been caught off guard. He, uh, he, he was surprised by failure. He stumbled here. He's, he's fallen alongside. He's, he's had a little lapse in his life or he's deviated from where he should be and what he should be doing. And a spiritual person sees a person like that and says, you know what I got to do? I got to reach out. I got to reach out and restore that person. I've got to mend them. That's the word restore. I've got to mend them like mending a net or uh, setting a bone. I've got to, I've got to, here, here, this is something broken in their life. And I got to set a bone in their life because I love God. And as the spirit works in my life, one of the evidences that I'm spirit filled is that I humbly care for others who are in need of restoration. Now, let's think about that a little further. He has the right aim. He's going to restore. Uh, in the next verse, he tells us he's going to bear the burden of those who are burdened. And, and the idea of the word burden in this second verse is it's a heavy burden. How many of you know what it is to carry a heavy burden? Do you? How many of you know what it is to carry a heavy burden? Do you? Isn't it something wonderful when a spiritual person comes along beside of you and shoulders that burden with you? Isn't that, isn't that something pretty amazing? When you're burdened and you're, you're really struggling with a burden, you're down, you're discouraged, you're, you're hurting, you're frustrated, you're, you're, just, you're just really, just feel like you're just barely surviving, you're in a fog, a spiritual person comes along and says, uh, let, me, let me carry that, let me, let me pick that up for you. You see what I'm trying to say here? He's telling us what a spiritual person looks like. A spiritual person humbly cares for others. He has the right aim and notice he has the right attitude. Because he says here, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of what? You got your Bible? Talk to me now. Nobody ever does. If you're spiritual and you see a need, you're to restore that person in the spirit of meekness. Now he's referring right there to gentleness and love. I'm never, ever, ever, ever to have a critical spirit towards a person who's struggling and hurting and needing help. I'm not to, you know, wag my head about it. Oh, my word, can you believe it? Can you believe it? No surprise there. Surprise they haven't fallen sooner. I'm never to, never to have a critical spirit. I'm not, I'm not to be known by my, my, my critical spirit towards a brother that's struggling. Oh, my word, they're always down. Oh, my word, she's just always battling. There's always barely surviving. No, that's not spirituality. Spirituality sees a person who's, who's not what they ought to be. They're not what they ought to be. They're not what they ought to be. And a spiritual person says, you know what? That could be me. That could be me right there. In fact, that has been me right there. Is that not your testimony? That, that's been me right there. How many of you ever had a cold heart? Have you ever had a cold heart? How, how, how many of you ever, how many of you ever just, just, just been out of sorts spiritually? It's happened to you, hasn't it? Aren't you thankful for the people in your life that know your God and that are filled with the Spirit and they come alongside of you with a caring heart and they mend you? You got an illustration of that in your life? Somebody that's come alongside of you and mended you, uh, that's uh, picked you up, that's, that's helped you, that's, that said, you know, you're carrying a heavy burden. Let me carry it for you. I will tell you that one of the reasons I love evangelist Harold Vaughn is, is he's a man that's helped carry many burdens in, in our family. 
when we've been burdened, we've had some hurts in our life, some discouragements in our life. He's been a man that's rolled along beside us and said, how can I pray for you? How can I pray for you? Let me help you with that. And when I leave, I know somebody else is helping me carry my burden. I feel lighter because of it. Several years ago, I, uh, I don't know how many years ago now, I went through a really negative situation and uh, it almost did me in. It just about did me in. I, I had what I thought, these are great friends and Next thing you know, these great friends won't even talk to me and made some accusations. I got some letters that were just brutal, absolutely brutal. And I wept when I read them and I was shocked that anybody could think that badly of me. And it was just a terribly negative time. And then it went public. And when it went public, uh, I had just gotten a flip phone. How many of y'all remember that? I, I, had, I had a flip, I had, I had a bag for a while. Anybody ever had one of those cell phones that came in a bag, like a suitcase? I I had a, a big old bag and it was plugged into my car, you know, and it had a, you know, it was like a, a house phone, but in your car, that was my first cell phone. I thought I'd arrived. And then I got one of those little flip phones. Oh, it was just amazing to have a flip phone. And my flip phone rang, rang, and rang. And people, you know, hey, I heard about what happened. Tell me, tell me what happened and, and, and what did you do? And why did, why are they, what's going on? And I read this and what happened. And I had all these questions and I was just frustrated and irritated and quite frankly, just about, just about done for. I was still preaching every night, but I was just, I, you know, I was just, I was just full of angst, and I was burdened about this, and I was bothered about this. And at that time, I was traveling with a young man named Jason Combs, and he was my uh, music evangelist, and uh, we had been together, I don't know, six or seven years. And Jason said to me one day, he said, "You know, we need to go play golf. Let's go play golf." Well, I got to tell you, I, I, uh, I'm a terrible evangelist. Most of my evangelist friends are good golfers, and I don't play golf uh, primarily because it doesn't help me be spiritual. And uh, so I, I, all right, I'll go. At least I'll get, you know, at least you're out there. At least you get to drive a golf cart. You can do wheelies and, and, um, and things like that. So at least you get to do that. So I'll go play golf with you. He's an avid golfer. So he and I went out golfing. And I was, you know, he's, he's one of those guys. He walks it up, you know, he puts a little tee down, puts the golf ball on it. Thoop, and the ball goes straight, you know, and it's beautiful. And I get up there, you know, and I'm like, all right, here. And then I miss because I meant to. And, uh, <laughs> And, you know, finally I hit it, but it like, and it goes over yonder. We spend the next three days trying to find my ball that's over there somewhere in the woods. And this, you know, this is frustrating to me. Now I'm out here trying to, you know, get away from the phone. And, but I, I had my phone and my golf cart over there, and it rang. And I went over and I looked. I don't know who that is. Put that phone back down there, man. I'm taking that call. I finished. I think we only did nine holes because that's about all I'm good for. And... Um, Brother Jason said, hey, uh, I'll meet you at the truck. You, I'll take the golf cart over here and park it, and I'll meet you at the truck. So he's, he's at the truck, and I checked my voicemail. Who was that? Oh, it was an evangelist. I don't know this evangelist. I mean, I know who he was. Never met him and talked to him, but big name, big name evangelist. I thought, yeah, he's heard too. Call me, Brother Young. I want to talk to you a moment. Oh, yeah, he's heard. Okay, fine. Here we go again. So I returned the call. He answered the phone. He said, Brother Young, this is Brother So-and-so. I know you don't know me, but I am an evangelist. And I kind of chuckled because, like, he's this big-name evangelist. I mean, like, everybody knew he was an evangelist. And he's like, I'm an evangelist. And he said, last night I was eating a meal with a group of preachers, and your name came up. And one of them just said enough. I just heard enough that I could probably assume that things are pretty rough for you right now said, Brother Young, I don't want to know anything. But I want to tell you why I called you. He said, because my wife and I went back to our RV last night 
And we got on our knees. And I just want you to know that we prayed for you in Bethlehem Joy. That you would feel the love of God and the peace of God. That you would learn from this if you need to. That you'd keep faithful, do right. I really just called to tell you I prayed for you. I don't even know you, but I love you. And I just want you to know, you got a friend in me. And he hung up the phone. I stood in the parking lot of a golf course and cried. That was the first call I'd gotten in the midst of this of somebody who just said, hey, I know this is a hard time right now, but I love you. And I know this is hurting. Let me help you mend. Let me bear your burden. That's what spirituality looks like. So many times you and I were, for some reason, in this culture condition, tell me the dirt. Did you, did you hear what I, did you hear about that? Did you know what they said? Do you know what they did? Can you believe that? The Bible says right here, ye which are spiritual, restore a person. Bear one another's burdens. The fact of the matter is a spiritual person initiates the contact. One of the words in this passage, I did a word study on it, in the, the idea of restoring and bearing, one of those words has the idea, it includes a touch. How many of you agree there's power in touch? Do you, do you believe that? And, and, and the idea is you've got to initiate a contact. Touch is in a contact. You, you hear something... Here's something bad about, I don't know how many times I've sat at a restaurant, and I, I eat with preachers all the time, sometimes you'll be out with a bunch of people, and you'll hear somebody, and I, this is how I say it, you'll hear somebody's name taken in vain. Somebody will say, oh, you want to believe about brother so-and-so and what he did? And you know what I started doing, Dr. Van Gelder, and God so blessed me by an evangelist that reached out and encouraged me, that when I hear those things now, I try to go back to my RV and say, sweetheart, I just heard a statement about brother so-and-so and sister so-and-so, we ought to pray for them. And then, then I do this, I, uh, I, I, I make a quick call. I just want you to know that, um, I just want you to know that you're loved and you've got a lot of friends out here. Somebody did that for me, I want to do that for somebody else. When I, when I, when I hear something positive and somebody says, oh, I'll tell you right now, I, I just want you to know that, uh, that Jim Van Gelderen is an amazing preacher. I, I try to text him and let him know. I just want you to know, you got a lot of friends out here. I just heard somebody say you were an amazing preacher. They were probably lying, but I, I, uh, I, just, I, just, I just want you to know that anyway. I'm being silly there, but you know, it's true. We're to, we're to make a contact. How long has it been since you contacted somebody with your touch, your text, your phone call, your prayer? You reached out with the intent, I'm going to help that person bear their burden. I'm going to help that person get back on the right path and be encouraged again and be filled with the Spirit again and love the Lord again. I'm going to try to help them. A spiritual person humbly cares for others. Can you see that in the text? You know, the greatest thing going in somebody's life might be your praying. The greatest thing going in somebody's life might be your prayers on their behalf. Greatest thing going. So many times in a church, we'll, people will slip out They'll just all of a sudden disappear. People that are on the fringe maybe, on the edge. And all of a sudden you realize they're not here this morning. And you know what I found in my own life? I'm so busy with my ministry, my wife, my children, getting my kids to Sunday school, getting my kids in our seat at church. 
And sometimes I'll realize I haven't seen, I haven't seen so-and-so in a long time. We're, we're, we're. So I said to somebody the other day, I haven't seen Al in a while. Is it just because I've not been here? But I've, every time I'm home, he's not here. And somebody said, I haven't been here in a long time. Just kind of casually, I haven't been here in a long time. I said, why? And the guy looked startled. Well, I don't know. So why not? I, I, I know he's a little rough around the edges. Alan, that is. I, I saw him smoking in my church parking lot. But he also sat second row from the front every time I was home. He was growing in the Lord. He's not there. Why, why, is it that we, why is it that we don't reach out to people like that? Say, hey, where are you? It's miss, we miss you. We love you. How can I pray for you? What could I do? If, if, would you come to church Sunday and come over and have a meal with us? Come on back to church. I want you to come. Will you come have a meal with us? When's the last time you opened your home to somebody hurting? A spiritual person humbly cares for the needs. You say, well, I'm just, that's not, I'm not good at that. None of us are. But anybody can listen. Anybody can have a meal. Anybody can say a prayer. A spiritual person humbly cares for others. Y'all with me first of all here? Y'all with me? All right, there's a second thing I've learned here, and I'm going to be done in just a moment. A spiritual person humbly cares for others. And then this is a strange text. This is such an unusual text. Verse 4 says, but, and then it seems, uh, it, it almost seems like it doesn't fit. Am I the only one that thinks that? Because he says, uh, bear one another's burdens, and then he says, and I'll paraphrase, but bear your own. It's kind of a, kind of, kind of a weird juxtaposition. Verse 4, but let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another, for every man shall bear his own burden. All right, now wait, wait, Paul. Does a spiritual man bear others' burdens or not bear others' burdens? Am I the only one that thinks that's a little interesting? Or do you all have this figured out? You're looking at me like you just don't see anything there interesting. To me, this is interesting, okay? I'm reading this a lot. Wait, 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 wait. Bear their burdens, but let every man bear his own burden. What are, what, what are you trying to say? And then I, I think I've got an answer for you. I found in these first three verses that a spiritual man humbly cares for others. But I found in verses 4, 5, and 6 that a spiritual person willingly stands alone and does right. Because there's two different burdens in the text. The burden in verse 2 is a word that means the heavy burden somebody's carrying. The burden in verse 5 refers to a responsibility. It's a soldier who has to carry a, a soldier's pack. It's that word. So what he's trying to say in the first three verses is I should always be reaching out to help others and to care about others humbly, gently, graciously to try to meet their needs and keep them on the right track and invest in them. How many of you are aware of the fact in churches like ours that's a massive amount of work? Did I understand that there's like 600 doors you have the privilege of knocking on in the coming weeks? That's a lot of burdens. Somebody's got to say, Lord, I'm going to be filled with the Spirit so that I can bear the burdens of all the people that are going to start coming to our church. They're not going to dress the way we do. They're not going to think the way we think. Their kids aren't going to look like our kids. But we've got to come alongside of them and carry a burden. It's called love. 
then it's okay. It's okay. It's what we're, we're supposed to do. But you know what? In the midst of what we're also supposed to do, a spiritual person is willing to stand alone and do what's right. In other words, he's carrying his own burden. If nobody comes to my aid, I'm going to stay with Jesus. If nobody supports you, I'll still stick with my calling because I have responsibilities. And here's what he's trying to say. In the midst of carrying for others burdens, a spiritual person will make sure he's fulfilling all of his own responsibilities. He will carry his own burden, his responsibility. Like, for instance, I'm a daddy. I'm a dad. Now, Nick is here. Nick is like part of the family. Now, when you travel with me in our evangelism ministry, you kind of become part of the family. This is the way we travel as evangelists. And so, you know, Nick's around my, he eats at our table and, and uh, you know, we bought him presents at Christmas time and he bought us presents. I mean, it's just like family. So here's the deal. Nick can take my kids to Sunday school. So he can drive to Sunday school. They can ride with him to Sunday school. He, he can take that. But Nicholas can't parent my sons and daughters. That's my responsibility. He can carry the burden of getting my kids to Sunday school. There, there are things he can do. But there are some responsibilities that are all mine. Dr. Vaughn talked to us this week about the... Brother Vaughn talked to us this week about the idea of your assignment. My assignment, I'm the only one that can do it. I'm to bear my own burden. I'm a daddy. I'm responsible for my children. Nobody else can raise my kids. That's my job. Nobody else, nobody else can train my kids. That's my job. That's my burden. A spiritual person is taking care of his responsibilities. Are you? I uh, this, We'll close here in just a second, but I work through those a little bit. If I'm going to fulfill my responsibilities, you college students, you better honor your parents. That's your God-given responsibility. Honor your parents. Bear that burden. See how I'm 21 now. I'm 21 for crying out loud. Don't you think that way? Spiritual person bears his responsibilities. You honor, honor your mom and dad. Don't ever be a rebel. Don't be a rebel. Don't be a rebel. There's enough rebellion. Okay, I'll do the rules. That's a rebellious spirit. Don't have a rebellious spirit. No, that's your responsibility. Did God call you to be CM? Then you have a responsibility to be CM. God called me. It's where God wants me. I signed up, said I'm part of it. This is God's will for my life. All right, what are the rules? Don't be a rebel. Fine, fine, I'll pull my tie up. Fine. No, 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 no. God called me here. I got a responsibility now to honor not only my mom and dad, but to honor the institution God's made me a part of. It's my responsibility, so I'll bear it gladly. All right, isn't this great? That's one of the things I try to teach my kids. Isn't this great? Isn't this great? We get to wear ties. It's great. Isn't that great, son? Isn't that great? This is great. We say that a lot. Isn't this great? We get to go to church every night this week because we're an evangelist. And next week, too. <laughs> and the week after, in this, in this great? Because a lot of times we spend our Christianity like, all right, fine. <sighs> Got to go to church again tonight. No, 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 no. I get to go. I get, in this great, it's my burden. It's my response. I get, I get to go to church. I get to wear a tie. I get to wear a tie. In this, I get to wear a tie. I get to wear a tie. It's great. Oh, my goodness, the Lord is good, isn't he? I just look what I get to I get to serve the Lord. I have a Sunday school class. I get to teach Sunday school. It's my job, and I'm going to do it with all my heart. The Bible says it like this in the Old Testament. Serve the Lord with great responsibility. No, how's he say it? Serve the Lord with what? With gladness. This is great. I get to teach Sunday school. This is great. I get to wear a tie. 
Isn't this great? I get to go soul winning in 10 below zero. Isn't this great? Isn't this great? Isn't this great? Serve the Lord with gladness. Make, Jesus said my yoke is easy and my burden is light, didn't he? So get happy. Bear your own burden. Go all out for the Lord. Honor your parents. Maintain a clean heart. Have a right spirit. Obey the rules. Accomplish your assignment. Because a spiritual person proves his own work. He proves his own work and bears his own burden. And there's one more thing. I'm going to close and get you out of here. What does a spiritual person even look like? In those first three verses, the Lord's been showing me that he humbly cares for others. She willingly stands alone and does right. And then in these last few verses I read to you, it has dawned on me that a spiritual person fervently sows to the Spirit. Y'all know that truth, don't you? Don't be deceived. God isn't mocked. For whatsoever man sows, that shall he also. How many kids we have in the room? Wave at me, children. All you boys and girls. Look at me, boys and girls. Wave at me if you're a boy and girl in the room tonight. Wave at me. All right, now moms and dads, I want you to help the boys and girls learn this, all right? The Bible says you reap what you, help me out, you reap what you, so here's a different way to say it. You grow what you sow. Just put your hand out like this, everybody. Put your hand out like this. Everybody, come on, nobody here with us. You grow, do it with me. You grow what you sow. Out loud, let's all do it together. You grow what you sow. You know what he's trying to tell us in this passage? A spiritual man, man walking in the spirit, a man being led of the Spirit, a man filled with the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, looking to the Spirit, not walking in the flesh, but in this, that man, here's what he does, he fervently is sowing to the Spirit. How many of you agree that you reap what you sow? Do you agree with that? It's a negative truth, actually, isn't it? It really is kind of negative, isn't it? That's how I always heard it all my life. I'll tell you right now, you young people, you sow to the flesh, you'll reap corruption. It's exactly what it says. You live like the devil and you'll reap what the devil gives you. I heard that all my life. It's true. Listen to me, young people tonight. How you live your life matters. You're sowing. It will come up. It will come up. You will reap what you sow. You sow a bunch of rebellion. I'll tell you what you'll get. A bunch of rebellion. It'll come up in your life. Don't be a rebellious young person or older person. Don't be, I'll tell you right now, I just can't believe we've got all these standards in our life. It's rebellion. We can all have different standards, but rebellion is rebellion. If you got a standard, embrace it. In this crate, I got to wear skirts to my toenails. <laughs> or you can spend your life, but I'm not worried to make you wear. There's no reason to live that way. Don't so re I can't tell you how many guys I went to Bible college with. And they came into Bible college rebellious and they left rebellious. Preacher boys. Rolling their eyes and sighing about it. Oh, my word, you guys. You know, and fundamentalism. There's always like griping and complaining and mumbling. And now they're like my age, because they were my age then. And uh, <laughs> we're not kids anymore. We're, we're, we're turning 50. And it's like we're down the road. I hate telling young people I'm 50. They're surprised I'm standing. <laughs> Without a cane even, you know. Well, I, I can't, I, I just, I'm just stunned at how many people I went to college with and they were kind of, you know, mumbled all the time and grumbled and rebellious and now they're turning 50 and, and they're still that way. Except now their kids are that way. 
and the tiny little church they pastor, there's no joy there because everybody grumbles about, you know, everybody's, some people are so strict and we're just in the world and falling apart and, and we're just a real mess because you're just reaping what you sowed. You sowed rebellion and you're reaping rebellion. You sowed a lousy attitude and you're reaping a lousy attitude. You, you were frustrated about everything and now you're reaping frustration. That's no way to live. It's no way to live. There's a better way to live. Sow to the flesh or sow to the spirit. You got to decide. Sow to the flesh or sow to the spirit. I don't know about you, ladies and gentlemen, but I want to sow to the spirit because I want what the spirit can offer. And what he says in the passage, you know what a spiritual person looks like? He, he humbly cares for others. He bears their burdens. He restores them in their struggles. He comes alongside of them to lift them up and to encourage them and to be there for them. Every member of the church ought to have somebody in mind that you're encouraging, you're strengthening, you're helping, you're teaching, you're loving, you're leading, you're working on them, you're investing in their life spiritually. That's what a spiritual person does. And a spiritual person maintains his responsibilities. He bears his own burden. And yes, is it not true that there are things in Christianity, the word is a burden. It's a burden sometimes that you always have to dress a certain way or you can't do this or you can't do that. It's a burden. But if that's my responsibility, I should do it with all of my heart and with a joyful attitude because the next passage is telling us here, the next session, uh, section rather, is telling us that you reap what you sow and you sow a happy, sweet spirit. You know what you're going to get? You're going to get a happy, sweet spirit. And that's a wonderful way to live. Are you all with me tonight or not? So what are you sowing? You sowing grumbling? Are you, are you sowing some frustration? Are you irritated and that's what you're sowing? Are you always down and depressed and discouraged? Is that what you're sowing? Then you're sowing to the flesh. But he says in the passage, he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And he closes it by saying, let us not be weary in well-doing. How many of you agree that you do right and you'll be blessed for it is a Bible truth? You believe that? So... So do it. It's true in giving, isn't it? Give and it shall be given unto you, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Sounds kind of like blessings. It's true in giving. It's true in serving. Serve others and serve God. I know it. If we're not careful, we'll think, oh, we sound like Pentecostals. We sound like prosperity gospel. It's not prosperity, it's biblical. You serve God and serve others and you'll reap for it. You'll reap for it. God's a good God. Doesn't mean you'll drive a Corvette. Doesn't mean you'll always have the biggest house in town. There are blessings bigger than a Corvette. How many of y'all know that? I'd love a Corvette. Wouldn't I look good in a Corvette? <laughs> I'd love to have a red Corvette, six-speed transmission, convertible, two-seater. So what'd you do with your five kids? Who cares? <laughs> Bethany, Bethany and I'd look good. Quad exhaust. I'll never have a Corvette. I'm not going to have a Corvette. But this past summer, this past summer, I stood on a platform, stood on a platform and watched my future daughter-in-law walk down an aisle. Here comes the bride. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Said to someone, two weeks this summer, within two weeks this summer, my son married Bethany. My daughter married David, two weeks apart, one in Texas, one in Florida, two weddings, two weeks apart. So I'm up church and watch my Joshua say I do to beautiful, lovely, godly, sweet Bethany. 
I watched Abby marry David. I married them. Abby, when she was seven years old, crawled up in my lap one day and put her hands on my face like this, and she said, Daddy, when I grow up, I'm going to marry somebody just like you. And I said, baby doll, you can't do any better than that. <laughs> and that sounds kind of, kind of, kind of, you know, arrogant, but this is my little girl. So I was real worried about this. At her wedding, I said to David, David, this is what she said when she was seven. And I told her, I didn't think she could do any better than that. But son, I want to stand on this platform in front of this crowd and tell you as a, and I think she did. Do I have a Corvette? No. But I got a wonderful son-in-law. Got a wonderful daughter-in-law for my two children. I said to somebody, I said, you know, I'm just so amazed at God. I, God, just, God just answered our prayers. David is godly. He loves the Lord and her servant and, and Bethany. And I just am amazed. And my friend said to me, you know, I get the impression that you're a little surprised that God answered your prayers. And I kind of did a double take, and they were like, you know, God does kind of answer prayers, you know. And I, you know, I just I prayed for 22 years. 22 years I've been praying for Abby, a husband. Trying to train her and teach her and stay in church and serve God and go soul winning. Maintain standards. Love God and have a right spirit and a right attitude. Why am I so surprised that I'm reaping life everlasting from the power of the Holy Spirit? And the reason I'm surprised is because he's so far better to me than I expected. See, that's why this matters. Why does God want you students to walk in the Spirit? Be Spirit-filled and have a sweet spirit. And, 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 and when you have rules in your life, you just embrace them with a great heart. And you live for others and you pray with people and you care about their hurts and you maintain your responsibilities the best of your ability and you do right and when you don't do right, you confess it as sin and you make it right as soon as you can. Why? Because there is a wonderful, amazing, almighty, good God in heaven who is just ready and eager and willing and going to bless your life if you'll do it. And having the blessings of God in your life is a wonderful way to live. You are looking tonight... You are looking tonight at maybe the wealthiest man you've ever met. I'm just telling you, I'm filthy rich. I got peace in my life. I got joy in my life. I have the love of God in my life. My kids like me. We're happy. We're blessed. We're favored. Beth and I are madly in love. We hold hands. We embarrass the children. We're in love. God is good. Don't you expect him to be? So, so, a spiritual man fervently sows to the spirit. So, ladies and gentlemen, let's go all out. Let's go all out and let's serve the Lord. Let's go all out and let's seek for the power of the spirit. Let's go out as a church and let's love, find somebody in your church you haven't seen in a while and let's go to work on them. Let's love them. Let's have them in our house. Let's get them by us in a church service. Let's pray with them. Let's carry their burden. Let's mend them. Let's, let's restore, let's, let's put that bone back together. Let's get them back into the church. Let's be patient with them. Let's carry their burden. That's what a spiritual person does. And don't you want to be one? Because don't you want the blessings of God? Is there anybody in the room tonight who would say, hey, Dave, I'm not saved tonight. I, I don't know that I'm trusting in Jesus as my Savior, and I don't know that I'm going to heaven, but I want to depend on him to rescue me from sin and hell and 
give me eternal life. If that's you tonight, did you know that in this service tonight, uh, there are preachers and ladies in this room who will be available tonight before we walk out of this building to help you know you're going to heaven if you don't know, to help you know a loving, gracious, almighty God who came into this world to die for your sins and he was buried and he was raised from the dead. You could be saved on this Wednesday night. You could know Jesus Christ as your God and Savior. Is there anybody here tonight you'd say, Dave, I, I don't care for others like I should. I'm so busy with my, and, and my stuff and me and I want you to pray for me and pray with me that God will empower me and fill me to care for others. Would that be you tonight? Is there anybody here and you'd say, Dave, I, I have some responsibilities. Uh, I, I know what they are and I've been struggling with my responsibilities. I complain about them. I gripe about them. I'm frustrated. I'm irritated. I, I joke about them. I talk down about them. But I need to bear my burden and I want the Spirit to empower me to do so. Would that be you tonight? Would anybody in the service and you'd say, Dave, I've been sowing to the flesh in some areas, some griping or complaining or frustrations and irritations. I, I want forgiveness and cleansing because I, I don't want to reap corruption. I want to reap life everlasting. If God's spoken to you in that kind of way tonight, we'll have an invitation. Would you kneel before the God of heaven? Maybe kneel with a friend. Find a brother, find a sister, find a spouse, find a mom or a dad. And would you come and kneel with somebody and say, I want you to pray for me. So I want to be a spiritual person. I got to work on some areas. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus tonight, Accomplish your work in our hearts as we leave this building. As we take this time to pray, oh Lord, any man or lady in our room, they're not born again. They don't know you, Jesus. Would you draw them to yourself? Oh, Holy Spirit, help them to be saved tonight through Jesus Christ. God, if it's just one, you care, you love them. For all of us in the building tonight, oh Lord, help us. Help us, I pray, to care for others and to fulfill our responsibilities and to sow to the Spirit and reap life everlasting. Would you accomplish your purpose in our hearts tonight? Stand to your feet across the room, would you?